Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Romans chapter 1 verse 13 says it like this in the New King James. Now I do not want to be unaware, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. That I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. And I am a debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarian. And essentially what that means is I am a debtor. I'm in debt to the educated and the uneducated. Both to the wise and the unwise. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. Who are in Rome also now for him to give a, 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 a word like this and say I am ready it's a big deal to go to Rome and preach the gospel uh, because Rome was the very heart of the world power in that time Roman power and emperors and Caesar uh, that's who was leading the known world at that time and they would persecute and kill Christians for sport. So the Apostle Paul was saying, I'm going to Rome. And he had the all intention, all of his intentions were to testify to who Jesus was. For he says in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also the Greek for it it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as is it written as it is written the just shall live by faith we're gonna be talking about being unashamed and we're gonna be talking about starting a revolution because it's really past our time us to allow God to rise up and our prayer is that God will give you ourselves a boldness that we need for the hour that we're living in and that you as a as a student a youth an adult a mom or dad or businessman businesswoman a teacher a, any career that you're in right now that you would have a strong backbone and that you would be rooted. By the way, speaking of planted and rooted, it's been 14 years. I've always asked God, Lord, why has it been so long and we're still here? And you know what, you know what God has done, actually? Oak trees don't just sprout out of the ground. Oak trees get good roots and they're established and they're slow growers, but they last a long time and they give a lot of shade. What God is doing in this church has been preparing us for the season that we are entered into. And in this church, we have such a strong foundation, deep roots, 
that people in this church, I believe, will walk in a boldness in the hour that we're living in because you know what you believe and you know that Jesus is alive and well inside of you. And make no mistake, our prayer is that God would use us in this hour and that the Spirit would work in our lives and that our families will be saved. Someone say it with me right now. Say, my whole family. Come on, say it. Say, my whole family is going to be saved this year in Jesus' name. Now, everybody say, God bless this message. And you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing. It is so good to be in God's house. So good to be in his presence. Only because his presence is here is why it's so good to be here. Uh, if it's your first time and you've been looking for a good church, stick around for a while and you'll find out why you need to be here. It, it, you'll grow and what we love to do is really share what God has given to us. And, and he's leading us and guiding us, preparing us for the future. And uh, we are blessed. We have seen God do many things. We've seen God heal. Uh, we've seen God deliver. We've seen God bless financially. Uh, we've, I've seen God bless people that uh, came out of incarceration and get restored and build them up as businessmen and businesswomen. I, I, I've seen people come in off the streets that had addictions and, and God instantly delivered them and filled them with something that's more addicting than any substance that's out there. And th there's a reason why I'm standing up here in front of you today. The blood of Jesus gave me a second chance, but the spirit of God keeps my life moving. And God begins to prove himself in our life. But every now and then, we come to a place where we allow condemnation to stop us and slow us down. Condemnation doesn't just occur uh, overnight. It's a process. It's a thought. It's a seed that begins to grow, that happens with things that we've done in the past or uh, just a memory of things that we have, may have failed in in our life. I refer to David's prayer in Psalms 51 quite often because there's so much substance in there. But David said, my sin is ever before me. But he knew that he could rely on the mercy and the grace of God. And so what that really meant was is that David failed as a man. He failed as a leader. And God forgave him, but he still had it in his mind, in his memory. It was still there. And a lot of what people deal with, even though they do come to church, is just still the, just the fragrance or just the remnant of, of the thought of the experience. You can have great momentum in your life with your purpose in God and your responsibilities. But if you just get one discouraging thought or one reminder of your your past it starts to slow you down but the faith in his blood and the life that he's put inside of you will keep you moving i want to give you an example of the difference between guilt and shame in this first slide i want to show you what guilt is a lot of people deal with guilt, and this has a lot to do with, with your passion. 
If there's anyone here that is dealing with guilt, you're dealing with guilt and you feel condemned. If there's anyone here, I don't know if there is or not, but, but, but if you do deal with it, because everyone does, it's because you have a thought of something bad that you did. And you've asked God to forgive you, and he has. You stop doing it. It's not your lifestyle. The challenge is, and it's really not the devil that's making you feel condemned. It's really your own thoughts. You haven't forgiven yourself. Forgiveness is a key to freedom. And you have to understand that God has forgiven you, and the blood of Jesus is very powerful. But this will evolve if you don't deal with it. If you don't deal with the past in your mind, this next slide I'm going to show you is what will happen. And this is shame. Guilt is the thought of something you did wrong. It's, guilt is feeling bad for something you did, but shame is labeling yourself as bad because of what you've done. And when people live with shame, lots of times it's not even possibly their own shame, but it's an inherited shame, maybe from a parent, maybe from someone else that did something that's connected to you in your life, and people look at you and they know who you are and what they've done, or maybe they know what, who you are and what you've done, and because of other people not forgiving you and giving you grace, you label yourself as bad. This is guilt and shame. This is what hinders God's people many times. What removes the passion from your life and the fervor from your life is thoughts and false labels. But when you know that you know that you know that you know that the blood of Jesus has the power and the ability to set you free and you are free... There is absolutely nothing anyone can say, do, or think about you. So let me show you the difference in what happens in this process on this last slide. Here's the last process of what happens. If you choose to stay and live a certain way, if you choose, I call it selfish, being selfish, it's really a strong word, but it's the best one that would describe a life of somebody who simply says, I don't care what people think. You know, don't judge me. Only God can judge me. You're right. God will judge you. And he will judge everything. But your life affects you, your family and people of influence in your life. And, and there comes a point where you have to decide that I'm not going to be selfish, but I'm going to be selfless to make the transition. But this is the point I really want to talk about in this, this selfish area is sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we are forced to live and sin, because that's who you think you are, is a sinner. That's who 
you can think that you are. And that's what I hear some Christians say many times. We're all sinners. Well, you were born from a sinful nature, but you were reborn with another nature. And the mindset that we have to have, if we're going to be bold in this hour, is to set ourselves free from an old mentality. When you look at the scripture and he talks about saints, that, that is not referring to the one that you light up the candle for so you can win bingo. <laughs> I had to go there. I mean, I, I grew up, there was candles for everything in my house. The dog, right? The bingo, right? None of you grew up that way? I did. I, I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in a denomination, but boy, you had to... Saints were known as people that had passed, and you can pray to a certain saint to get some strength from them, and, and that, that's what I was raised in a traditional setting. But according to the Scripture, the, the, the Scripture refers to saints as people that are still living, that have been forgiven and washed by the blood of the Lamb. When Paul writes, he says, I write to the saints, people that are living still, not that were dead. People that have been forgiven. Now, we can't go around and start picking out and saying, okay, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. I mean, there's a lot of referees in this world. I think they're religious people that just like love throwing flags, love, love to blow the whistles. I mean, they just, you know, love to find what's wrong. But let me give you a scripture to help you. Listen to what James said. James 4 and 17 says, therefore, to him... Who knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. In other words, nobody needs your help to let them know that they've done wrong. That's just a fact. We've all been given a conscience. We have all been given an opportunity to love God and surrender our life. And, and God will deal with everybody. But I promise you. You can also always find a group of people that are living in sin, the very sin that you're struggling with, to okay, to not condemn, to encourage, and remove you and soothe your conscience and stay in that area until... You are by yourself. And somehow in those moments when we are all alone and we have that one moment and our mind goes back and reflects on the goodness of God, I believe everybody is being hunted by the Holy Ghost in this world if you have somebody praying for you. I believe that God deals with everybody day and night. David said it like this in his wrongdoing. David said, where can I go from your presence? If I go and take the wings of the morning and fly, he said, you'll be there. If I take on and go on the seashore, you'll be there. If I make my bed in hell, you'll be there and you know everything. Where can I go from your presence, Lord? Everybody is dealt with. And the worst thing that we can embrace in this hour is a new theology that there is no hell or consequences for our wrongs. Only people who have been forgiven and set free 
are the ones who celebrate and share with other people because you can't help but give somebody good news that needs encouragement. It's so it's it's you get around somebody that's really saved. I mean, I'm talking about really saved where they got delivered, they got healed by God, they got touched by God, they were addicts, but now they're addicted to Jesus kind of thing. You get around somebody with a real experience and you'll understand. You'll understand to whomever is forgiven much, loveth much. You want to know why some people get excited when they come to church and you really want to know why they, they love clapping their hands and love shouting. And sometimes are they say amen, praise the Lord, and you're doing good. Pastor Bobby, preach the word. Well, I wish they would. I'm just saying, you want to know why they get excited? It's because they've been delivered. They've been set free. They've been forgiven. They know what it's like to live an old life. The reason why you still see them with a smile on their face is because they have faith in the blood, not in people. Faith in the blood. But Paul writes to the Philippian church, and he says this to them because there's nothing new under the sun. And he says this in the New Living Translation in Philippians 3 and 17. You can write that down and read it at home under another translation. Dear brothers and sisters... Pattern your life after mine. Wait a minute, Paul. Weren't you a murderer? <laughs> Let's think about this for a moment. He's telling them pattern their life after him, the guy who put their families in jail. I wonder if we were to ever have a revival service, if we, let, let's, let's use our imagination, let's be hypothetical. I wondered if we lived back in the days of the Apostle Paul when God gave him a radical transformation in his life. And I wonder if we ever had him over for revival, how many people would come out of curiosity and how many people would come because they knew God can forgive and restore. He is writing books, wrote more books than any other apostle in the Bible. He started more churches than any other disciple that was with Jesus. Why? Because he was forgiven from much. And the length of mercy will determine the extent of grace and the love of God in a person's life. And the Apostle Paul began to share this and said, hey, for I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many who conduct, who, who, whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. That, that's another word of saying selfishness. See, the cross represents denial, a selfless life. A, self, a selfish life, though, is somebody who is an enemy to the cross. See, crosses were meant to hold dead people. And graves were meant to bury them. But when you came to the cross, it was an act of death. And when you were baptized, it was an act of a burial. So you need to leave the dead man there. Leave the dead man there. Leave the old life there. The Apostle Paul said some people have gone to the cross, but they have never stayed there. 
and, and, and some never even went to the barrel. They resurrected to something else. With tears, he says. Verse 19, they are headed for destruction. They are headed for destruction. I mean, God, I believe God will give people chances and chance and chance and chance until one day they've gone so far they've created their own destruction. God is not, does not want people to be in a place of judgment and God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. How many of you are excited about heaven? I mean, heaven is for real. Heaven is for real. If I think of eternity and I drew a line from this wall to that wall, it would be a small segment of eternity, and our life will be as thin in this timeline as this paper right here. So short. So short this life is. I mean, I'm just telling you that I get up now, and when I get up in the morning, I hear squeaks and rattles that weren't there 20 years ago. I mean, is anybody here that, you, I mean, hear that? I can play music with those knees. I'm just telling you. I don't care how much you work out, how healthy your diet is. We're all getting old, and time flies by like that. It is no time to lose focus on your Savior right now. And the Scripture says for these people, they're headed for destruction, and their God is their appetite. That doesn't mean that one person likes fresh spring rolls and the other one likes fried egg rolls. That's not what it's saying. The appetite referring to the lust of our flesh embracing sin. Well, listen to what he says. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. Limited thinking. Limited thinking. I, I want to think long term. But I want to take, take it one day at a time. But I know what the goal is. Now, I'm not living for God just to go to heaven. I'm living for God because I love him. But I only love him because I know where he brought me from and what I could have been. And now I'm standing here. I don't really don't deserve to be standing here. Even the apostle Paul, even the apostle Paul who, who, who wrote more books than any other apostle, who started more churches than anybody else, said to the churches, I'm the least of all the apostles. Because he knew where God brought him from. Don't ever forget where you came from. Please don't ever forget that the reason you've got the life that you've got right now, the reason you are blessed right now, the reason you have your right mind right now is because of the mercy of God. Never, ever allow your flesh to take the credit for what God has done. And he said they're embracing shameful things. They've lost their conscience. A seared conscience is one that knows to do good and doesn't do it and does, it any, does the wrong anyways. After a while, you become numb. You lose your conviction. The scripture calls that in Romans chapter 1 a reprobate mind. That's why it's so important to stay tender to him. 
It's so important. After a while, God's a gentleman. God is so sweet. God is so precious. He's not going to force himself on anybody. After a while, God's going to say, okay, you want it? Go get it. But, but, but if, if he loves you and you love him and you know better and, you, and, you're, try, and you're mixed in your emotions, sometimes God will just slap your hand, right? I, I've had God slap my hand quite a bit. Quite a bit. Okay. I know what that means. Don't take me long. But the, the end result is further. What's the point? The point is, is that Jesus did something for us that we can't take for granted. And there is no reason for you and I to live under guilt and shame anymore. And we need to reaffirm our faith in point number one, which is Jesus took the guilt and the shame. Jesus took it all. That's why when somebody looks at you and they try to judge and they try to tell and try to make you feel that you're not worthy and you're incapable of living right, doing right, or even you leading them. Don't listen to them. Because it's not you that's leading them. It's the God inside of you that wants to lead them. As you are following Christ, the Apostle Paul said, as I follow Christ, you follow me. Trust me, if I start doing something stupid, my kids are not going to follow me. You won't follow me. You won't follow. I'm telling you right now, people know what's real. You can't fake real. People understand hypocrisy. People know you're smart. Everyone's smart. We ain't fooling nobody. But the Holy Ghost knows everything. I mean, we can put a good face on. We can smile. You can, you can whiten your teeth. It ain't going to help one bit to hide whatever you're doing behind closed doors or in open shame. That's where we're living at right now. What we are up against right now, we are up against the salvation of our children. I refer back again. I'm going to refer back to last week where, where I, I, I mentioned a video that was out for, from, from a movement, the pride movement right now. It was a video, two guys saying that they embrace uh, homosexuality, but they were going to come. They're coming and they're going to disciple and, and train our children. They're coming after our children. It was a parody, but it was still, it was a serious thing to me. And, and right now, there are very, people all around that are anti-Christ. See, we're looking for the anti-Christ. I hate to tell you guys, and I'm going to mess with your eschatology, but I've got to simply tell you, the Antichrist has been around for a very long time, folks. It's a spirit of Antichrist, the spirit that's against the anointing, the people of God, and the influence of God's people, and that Antichrist spirit is feeding people a lie. The first lie is, you're not good enough. Who are you? You're not forgiven. Come and join us. We won't judge you here. And then people get bold because they found their community. Can I tell you, a boldness that God gives you doesn't need community. God will make you all bold by yourself because God is that bad. God is that good. God is that great. One with God is majority. 
Jesus didn't have nobody. Everybody left him. Everybody scattered like sheep is what the scripture said. And Jesus hung on the cross by himself. But when he cried out for help, guess who he called on? The Father. We have to relate to that. But the scripture says this about him. Listen to this. Jesus cried out to the Father. In a shameful moment, Jesus, who knew no sin, became the shame, identified himself as bad. Not in a good way, but in a shameful way. Hebrews 12 and 1, listen to what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, speaking of those in Hebrews 11, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Daniel to David, He said, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Speaking of sin, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Look to your neighbor and tell them, stop tripping. Stop tripping. You got to stop tripping. There are some things that if you don't let go of, you're going to keep on tripping and tripping and fumbling. And you're wondering, and we wonder, why aren't we gaining any ground? It is hard to gain and win the race when you keep falling and falling and falling. That isn't God's will for your life. You're not a sinner. You've been forgiven. Live into grace. It's by grace that we're saved. And it's by grace that we get our power and anointing and unction to live in our life so we can be trip-free. Be trip-free. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, not on anybody else. Right? How do you run? I'll tell you how to run. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at anybody else. Don't look at the culture. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. You need to find out who's your friends and who's not your friends. Those are some of the things that slow you down and trip you up. If you want to know who they are, reflect on the moments when you really had some problems in your life and you really were alone. Who was there for you when you were by yourself and no one understood your pain and no one understood your sorrow and no one could understand you when you were hurting? Who were the people that were there? I can tell you this one thing. It was Jesus there with you because he's never left you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be with you forever. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates the perfect, the perfect of our faith and protects her and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Listen to this. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the place of honor beside him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. He took the shame to deliver us from ours. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. 
don't give up. Don't get discouraged. This is not an impossible thing for God to do. You know, there comes a time where you have to stop going in and out. I'm saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's good preaching, but my friends want me to go here, and we want to do this. Hallelujah. I don't know. I'm so backwards in my, I mean, isn't it funny how when you were younger, you knew how to dance, but when you get older, it's like, it's like, it's like it just, it's, you try, but it's not there anymore. <laughs> right? Isn't it weird? I guess it's the same thing spiritually, right? If you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, that's uh, a lot of what happens to us spiritually. We don't pray. I mean, we don't stay. We don't fast. We don't last. We don't stay humble. We keep on stumbling. The point I'm trying to tell you and make to you is this, point number two. God's not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of him. Can you imagine if you're, oh, my gosh. I didn't grow up with the father. It's, it was tough growing up without a dad. But I did have my mom. And the latter years of my, my life with my mom, the latter years of her life, um, some of you remember her coming here with us sometimes. And she, she was so proud. I mean, she thought she was the celebrity when she came to this church. My mom was the funniest thing ever. I mean, my mama would walk down the aisle, and she just, her hips like this, and wave at every, nobody was waving to her. She... <laughs> And she would never say her name. I'm, I'm, past, I'm, I'm Bobby's mom. My mom was something else, so proud. And, but my mom never denied me. My mom never, my mom never uh, said I wasn't her son. She's always proud of me for every little thing I did. That's, I think, what every mom should do. So I know that feeling, but I, I don't know the feeling of not being accepted by a father. I don't know that. I, it's, I just don't have that feeling. So I can't relate, but I can relate to people who grew up without a father. But I can relate now what it is to be loved by my heavenly father. And I can relate what it means to have my heavenly father not reject me, but always be there for me. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, he shouted out, Father, why has thou forsaken me? He wasn't had nobody he didn't say Mary <laughs> to help some of you out a little bit he didn't pray to Mary spoke straight to the father and that withdrawing was just nothing more than the process for you and I he had to be destitute he had to be left alone so you and I would never be lonely and by ourselves, that's why, that's why he's able to tell us and give us the promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. Because he was forsaken. That means that your heavenly father loves you. I, w I want you to think about this for one moment, okay? Because we think about our boldness of not being ashamed. But what if God was ashamed of us? can't even fathom that 
But I can read you this. Hebrews 11, 13 says, all these people, talking about, again, the, the people who, who are patriarchs and the matriarchs in the scripture that, that followed after God, that were seeking for a city whose builder and maker was God. Listen to what it says about them. They died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive that what was promised. But they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They believed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. They knew there was a bigger reward. They understood what was at stake here, but they never lost their faith, having never received the promise of what we know today to be the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in our life, according to the disciples. That Jesus told them the promise of the Father would be given to them in Jerusalem. We understand that now, what the promise of the Father was, the Holy Spirit. Their whole life they had struggled with things, their old nature and had to abide by the law. Couldn't even keep the law, had to kill animals just to stay under the good grace of God. And they were looking for something else. They knew and they heard about it. They had a revelation about it, a better time to come. And here you and I are in that time. But we can take it for granted. But listen to what it says right here. But because of their faith, that's them now. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. Every one of them were led out of a country to go pursue a new one. Moses was led out of Egypt, for example. And do you remember when the children of Israel were, they're leaving out of Egypt and they were set free from bondage? He said, but they were looking for a better place, a homeland. That's what they wanted. That's what they were looking after. So it says, that is why these people who never stopped believing in God and never turned back to their old ways. Those people that were mentioned in the Bible in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Make a note. Read Hebrews 11. And look at their lives. They never turned back like Lot. Abraham never turned back to look at Sodom and Gomorrah. He said because of that, that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God. God is not ashamed to be called our God when we keep on believing no matter what, no matter the trouble, no matter the inconvenience, no matter if we don't have the answer to prayer coming right away, no matter if things look weary or we are weary, it doesn't matter. If you keep the faith, the scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please him. But because these people kept the faith, and kept on moving. It said that God was not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared a city for them. He wasn't ashamed of them. But I can look now and look 
back at that and look at the life of Moses. When Moses was on the mountain, and Moses went up the Mount Zion, and, and the glory of God came down, and God gave him a face-to-face experience, and, and it was the, the tabernacle plans, and it was the law, and then all of a sudden, the people downstairs at the base of the mountain started complaining you brought us out here to die we had it good in Egypt flesh pots menudo <laughs> right they had it good they remembered that right Some of you, nobody knows anything about that we had it good and God saw them build a golden calf, a golden corral, a golden calf. <laughs> and God saw them. And you know what God said? Hey, Moses, the people you brought out, your people. God said, look what they're doing. He never claimed them as his people now. Why? He was ashamed. Why? Because they turned their back on God. But to Moses, he said, Moses, my faithful servant, I'm going to destroy all of them, and I'll bring the people out of you. That's how powerful God was. I'll, I'll extend your life, Moses. I'll, I'll you know, you're, you're not for, you're, you're, you know, you can't produce anymore, but hey, I'll give you a wife, and she'll produce your seed, and I'll, I'll make sure that a great nation comes out of you, and I'll start this whole process over again. And it wasn't the first time God did that. He did it in Noah's day. They turned their back on God, and there was only one man and his family that were saved. Now, here's the key to baby dedications and to living God godly. The rest of the scripture, when it talks about Noah, it never said his entire family was righteous. It said Noah was righteous, and because of his life, his family had a chance to get into the ark. I want you to think about that. Think about what you're doing next time that you go out there and turn your back on God. Because I'm going to tell you something. You may be turning your back on God, but you're turning your back on your whole family. And that's why we got to be serious about what we're doing right now and not allow the culture, friends, peers, make us feel like we're wrong. God's not wrong. God's not dead. God's alive. And the love of God is real. But he's done so much for me. I can't even begin to explain what God has done for me. Like the old black preacher said, he's done so much for me. I can't even tell it all. I mean, you come too late. He's already delivered me. He's already forgiven me. He's already filled me. He's already healed me. He's already set me on my way. He's already blessed my children. He's already blessed my life. He's blessed my relationship. I have favor from him. I have riches in his presence. You've come too late. I'm addicted to him already. Somebody, somebody, somebody said this to me one time. They said, I just love the dance. Hard for me not to dance. I, I, hey, listen, we got family events. We had a wedding not too long ago. I did get out there and start doing my thing. Watch out. Watch out. It'll happen. I'm telling you, just watch out. 
but you won't find me anyplace else. I promise you that. It's a family thing. So my response to that is we haven't stopped dancing. We just changed partners. That's right, baby. He leads me all the time. I let him take over. I have a melody in my soul. I'm living life at another level right now, and I know that he's leading me and guiding me and directing me, and I've got a joy that you don't know anything about unless you've been in his presence, and it's full of glory, and there's a love that passes all understanding, and there's a peace of mind that comes with that. And when I lay down at, light, at night, I'm laying before the Lord, and I feel his presence, and it came with the price, and that price was the blood. And I can tell you something, though. Along the way, I have made some mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. I have fallen so many times, and I've got the scars to prove it. But you see, God allows scars to stay as a reminder to know how good he is. Have you ever noticed when you read the scripture that, that when you find Jesus, he still had the hole in his hands? You know what the scripture says those holes in the hands were for? It's a constant reminder of you and I. God's not ashamed of you. God's not ashamed of you. God knows you mess up. God knows I mess up. God knows we fall. God knows he, it, it didn't surprise God when we done the things we did or do the things that we do. It doesn't give us a license to do it. But you see, that's not your nature. That's why you get up and you say, Father, forgive me. And that's why he says, no problem. That, that's why. Because of the blood. You're not a sinner. It's not your lifestyle. That's why David wasn't called a murderer. He wasn't called an adulterer. He was called one of the greatest kings there ever was. Why? Because if you read about David's life, he knew how to tap into the mercy of God. He knew how to humble himself. He knew how to stay broken before God. That's why David was still on the throne. That's why God gave him the promise and said, I'm now going to establish your king in your throne. And there will never be, never be, it will never be empty. And when Jesus came to this world, he was called the son of David, the eternal king. God fulfilled his promises. What I'm telling you here today is that when you live for God and you love God and you're bold for God, he will make your blessings pass down from generation to generation to generation to generation. Here's what we need right now more than ever. Come on, Haley. We need to start a revolution of love. That's what we need right now in this world. We need to start a revolution in our families. Here's what we need. We need to start praying, God, you know, we need to focus on the priorities in our life, and that priority should be our families. Our families. You might come from a broken family. You may not have your mom and dad. You may, you may be all by yourself, but there is somebody in your life that you're influencing that looks up to you. They are looking up to you, and you will either lead them into the presence of God, the crowds who have an opinion of what's right and what's wrong, and you'll be falsely labeled because of your love for God, but you have to be willing to go through that kind of shame that the world has given you for his name's sake because he did it for you. He did it for both of us. For the shame set before him, he endured the cross. And what did Jesus say to those that wanted to follow him? He said, 
pick up your cross and follow. In other words, there's going to come a time where it's going to be your turn to live a selfless life and to not be ashamed. I feel the love of God in this building right now. Our weekly challenge is going to be this. Start praying for and reaching out to your families. Then take the step and invite them to church. Life is too short. Your friends. You can be bold and not be rude. You can be bold and not religious. It's not what you say, it's what you do. But we are going to have to get give. Listen to me now. Please hear this preacher. Hear me loud and clear. We are going to have to give an account of where we led people. Our children, our family, our friends. But you want, you want to live in a safe zone? Lead them to the house of God. Lead them to the presence of God. Lead them into the peace of God. Lead them by the love of God. Lead them and live it out in front of them. Oh, man, I feel the Spirit of God in this place. If you need a renewing of love right now, stand to your feet. If you need God to just feel you right now, stand to your feet because it is here. I'm telling you, as they dim the lights, I'm telling you right now. If you're watching online and you feel God, I pray right now that you just begin to make a, a commitment to God. Recommit yourself. If you've not given your life to Jesus right now, I think right now is a perfect moment for you to say, Father, forgive me for my sins. Lord, forgive me and be my Lord and Savior. Lead and guide me. Help me. Come on, everybody in this building. Everybody here, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet and lift up your hands and tell them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I surrender to you right now. I surrender to you. This is not a guilt trip today. This is a call. This is a call. We're sounding the alarm. Right now, we're living in a world that's bold. They're loud. They don't care what you think. But you got to rise up in love, and you have to reach out with love, and you've got to be—you can't be ashamed of what you believe in. I gotta—I hate to tell you, but they know you're—you're you're a believer already. They know that you go to church already. You might as well start proving them right. I—I I, I know what this is all about. I wasn't raised in church. I got to tell you, I wasn't raised in church. I know all about an old lifestyle. I, I know about that lifestyle. My family, my family and I, you've heard it many times, we owned the biggest nightclub in Victoria. Uh, it was over 20, 22,000 square feet. And we had concerts, we had dances. I know all about that lifestyle. I, I can tell you popular names. I can tell you country music, Spanish music, Tejano music. I can tell you all the influence, all the things. We had lots of friends. But then God touched our life and we had to walk away from it and then we paid a price because because when you start losing people you feel alone but then one day I learned how to pray and I learned how to walk with him and ever since then I've never felt alone in my life even when I'm by myself when I am by myself I don't feel lonely when I'm by myself I've got him when I'm by myself, I feel his presence in my life. I'm living this life not just for myself, but for my wife and 
for my kids and, and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and the cycle of sin stops with me and my kids will not inherit my iniquity my grandchildren will not inherit my sins it stops with me and they will live blessed lives this is what you have to say over your family I'm prophesying to myself and my family right now and they will live blessed lives and they will influence the culture and they will be kingdom people and they will be men of God and women of God that come out of my children and there will be doctors and there will be lawyers and there will be politicians with filled, that are filled with the Holy Ghost and that love God that will change the world that will be placed in positions of influence because my life is sold out to him and I'm going to carry my cross and I'm going to put the old man there and I'm going to keep the old man in the grave but I'm going to rise up with the newness in my heart and I'm not embarrassed of who I am I'm not embarrassed of what I do I'm not embarrassed to be a pastor I'm not embarrassed to be a Christian I'm not embarrassed. Father, in the name of Jesus, anoint your people today. Father, touch the hungry hearts. Lord, let your spirit fall in this building. Let your spirit fall in this building. Anoint afresh. Anoint your people. Anoint right now. Anoint right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.